there. I'm Dr. Gabe Lowe, and welcome to the Hard Questions, No Answers podcast. This is a show that is less interested in answering life's difficult questions and more interested in the process of wrestling with them. This podcast is a forum to celebrate the messiness that makes us human. It is a place to invite the unanswerable questions because often it is precisely these types of questions that push us to dig deeper, to think harder, and to refine our approach to life. So, if you get to the end of the episode and you still have lots of questions, then I've done my job. I invite you on the pursuit of no answers. My guest today is John Lash, who is the pastor of Greenhouse Church down in South Florida. Growing up in a Jewish home with interfaith parents, John often describes himself as a Jewish pastor at a Christian church. He is passionately seated in the intersection of these two faiths, cultures, and worldviews, and seeks to build bridges of understanding across the divide. Please enjoy my conversation with John Lash. John Lash, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited about uh, having you on. Uh, I met you when Jesse and I were in Florida, and Greenhouse was the church that we chose to spend and, and to sort of call our home church for the short time that we were there. Uh, and, and we really uh, fell in love with the church and really appreciated the work that you did as our pastor for that time. Um, and one of the things that you uh, spoke about in your sermons and, and just sort of in the way that you uh, identify is you're somebody who identifies as both Jewish and Christian. Sure. And uh, I want you to just sort of share a little bit with the listeners, talk a little bit about how that was in your family growing up, what was emphasized by your parents, and what role did religion play in your upbringing? Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. First off, thanks for having me on. Um, I, I feel like it's a little bit of a sign and a wonder that having had you be stuck and deal with me as your pastor for so long, you still want to hear me talk. So, uh, so this is great, man. Uh, this is great, man. I'm excited to be a part and um, just miss you guys so much. Glad you're doing well there. And uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I grew up with um, with a, a, a bit of a interesting sort of uh, somewhat unconventional maybe then and and maybe more normative now. Um, sort of interfaith background, if you will. Um, my father was from a Jewish background. Um, a lot of his family was conservative Jewish. Um, they were over from Poland. And so they fled right before around Holocaust time. And, and thank God we're able to make it over here um, before things got horrible. And um, on my mom's side, she grew up um, with a, a pretty strongly entrenched Christian background. Like a lot of her um, roots go back to like the foundings of the Salvation Army here in the United States. So, so very strongly Christian. My dad, a lot of my dad's side of the family now is actually Orthodox or ultra Orthodox. So, very strongly Jewish, very strongly Christian. My parents got married and they were just like, we don't like any of it. And so, it's kind of like in their stick it to the man way, you know, my dad's like, I'm going to marry someone who's not Jewish. And his parents are like, no. And my mom's like, I'm going to marry someone who's not a Christian. And her parents are like, no. And they're so rebellious. Like, ah, so. Totally, totally, dude. Totally. So, um, so in a, in a unique twist of events, um, I would say a cosmic twist of events, obviously, from my vantage point, uh, my father was a professor. In a, in a, he was an electrical engineering professor down here, and, um, and he had a, a colleague who was a Christian. Um, him and his wife were from an Italian background, and so they, they struck up a friendship with my, um, with my parents and would have them over for dinner and just talk to them about life, and, and as they built that relationship, my dad ended up uh, getting curious about uh, the Bible 
And so, but he was, you know, he had that rebellious edge. So he's like, well, I'm not going to read where the rabbis always wanted me to read. I'm going to read what they told me not to read. I'm going to read the New <laughs> Testament, right? So uh -huh, he started uh -huh. reading the New Testament and, and it was like, what, what in the world? Like this Jesus guy's a Jew. Like what? <laughs> why would they not let me read him? Like he's clearly a rabbi. He's clear. And, um, and so he got really enraptured by the teachings and the way of Jesus <laughs> and um, totally understanding it within a Jewish framework and context and was like, this, this rabbi, this teacher, he's incredible. And um, ironically, my mom at the same time, you know, she grew up with the Jesus thing and she was like, yeah, 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 yeah. But she got really enraptured with all the Jewish stuff. And so she's like, wait a second, Neil. So, that, so, so my dad really got into Jesus. My mom really got into all the Jewish stuff. And, and, uh -huh. and so I grew up in this interesting hybrid world, you know, where regularly my friends would be like, so wait a second, is your family Jewish? Or are they Christian? And I'd always be like, yes, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, now it's come to be. So so my father, um, it's a whole nother story, but he ended up founding uh, one of the first, what's now called a messianic synagogue, which is Jewish people who who are passionately retaining their ethnic identity, but but um, have decided to follow Jesus as the, the, the promised Jewish Messiah, you know? And so, um, so he started this community um, that still exists here in South Florida. And so now it's a thing, right? It's called Messianic Judaism. There's there's it, it, people, a lot of people have heard about it, but back then it was just confusing. Back then people were just like, what? I'm like, I don't really know what to tell you. And uh, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a unique uh, sort of road navigating all of that, especially as a kid growing up. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for giving some of that that context. And so now I, I want to sort of get into to you and your role as a pastor. So you, you recommended to me a book, The Real Culture Jesus by Dr. Michael Brown. And mm -hmm. as I was reading, you know, there's there's a lot of history between Christians and Jews and um, oh, yeah. a lot of messiness. Oh, um, yeah. And, and so a you lot know, of pain. Totally. So we'll probably get into a little bit that, of that later. But for you you know, how uh, was it for you in terms of understanding these two different sides of your own identity, the, the Jewish side and the Christian side? Was there some wrestling that you had to go through and to sort of bring those together? Or do you feel like it was uh, with, with the kind of wrestling that your parents did that, that it was sort of uh, set up for you to be able to integrate those things together? And also, you know, I'm, I'm interested in your journey as a pastor, being a, a as you said, a, a Jewish pastor at a Christian church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is how I always describe. They're like, so what exactly do you do? And that always <laughs> uh, creates some good conversations. Um, yeah. So I think with my parents' journey, um, it maybe helped me feel a little less pressure. Like I had to pick. You know, mm -hmm. am I Jewish? Am I Christian? You know, because technically my dad was kind of both, and and um, so I I was raised in with a lot of what would be like an observant Jewish home. Um, and so, uh, you know, we celebrated the feasts in my household, for example, the Feast of the Lord, or what people would know as a Jewish holidays, Passover and Yom Kippur. And, and we celebrated Shabbat every every single Friday night, you know, in our, in our home, we had Shabbat dinners and I was bar mitzvah at age 13. And so uh, for all intents and purposes, I was very much raised as a Jew um, with the caveat that we, followed Jesus and believed that he was the promised Messiah and the way, the truth, and the life and what most Christians believe. And, and not a ton of modern Jewish people or not as many modern Jewish people believe. And um, so, so that was, that was, I at least had a schema for it, but it was still obviously very unconventional. And so, 
So for me, uh, I guess following in the not so positive uh, path of my parents initially, I was kind of, I got to around age yeah, 15, 16, and I was like, man, I don't want anything to do with any of this. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to do with any religion, any religious stuff, like it's just boring or whatever. And so, so I went and blazed my own trail and, and got into a bunch of stuff and parties and drugs and all sorts of craziness. And, and probably around age 18, um, just just got to a, a point personally where I was really seeking. Um, I, I, I hit some really painful moments in life and and was kind of realizing, you know, I, I think I think I do need to actually pursue a, a higher power, a higher purpose. You know, maybe maybe the uh, all the religiosity I, I still don't really want, but I'd like to know God. Hmm. I would really like to know God. And so um, I had a really profound encounter personally and, and came to a point where I I started reading the scriptures for myself and realized, you know, I think, I think Jesus is the Lord. I think he is the rabbi. I think he is the teacher. I think he is the savior. I think he is the hope of the world. And, um, but for me, it wasn't a question. Uh, I would equate it like this, and maybe this will help people grasp it a little bit more. Um, let's say you're from a, a Haitian background. Let's say you're from a Jamaican background. Let's say you're from an Indian background. Um, mm-hmm. Most people don't wrestle with, oh man, if I start following Jesus, or if I turn to some other religion, what culture am I from? <laughs> you, sure. you know, like you're, you uh-huh, don't stop uh-huh. being Haitian when you start following Jesus. You don't stop being Jamaican when you start following Jesus. You know, you you retain that ethnic identity. And so for me, mm-hmm. it was the same way. I'm like, well, I'm still definitely Jewish because that's who I am. Like, I can't change my DNA, right? You know, but now I'm now I'm I'm Jewish and I follow Jesus. And um, so that I, I went into college like that, and that was that was certainly there's a lot of societal pressures and, and we'll get into, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot, I mean, water under the bridge doesn't begin to describe all of the, the tragedies. Um, and really? it's, one, it's why one of my personal passions is really sort of the intersectionality of all things Jewish and Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. Because it also, I mean, Jesus was a rabbi and Jewish teacher. All of the first disciples were Jewish. All, like arguably almost every single one, if not every single one of the authors of our scriptures, Old and New Testament, we're from Jewish backgrounds. So it's mm-hmm. in, in my mind, people in college were like, wait, what? I don't get it. I'm so confused. And I would kind of walk through stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, Jesus was Jewish. They're like, yeah, I guess so. And I'm like, you know, all the, all the disciples are Jewish. They're like, well, yeah, I guess so. I'm like, you, you know, the Bible was overwhelmingly from a Jewish perspective. And they're like, well, yeah. I'm like, so let's call it the original recipe then. They're like, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, and it really helped, you know, I got, I got connected in college um, I went to the University of Florida, go Gators. That's my that's my alma mater. Very passionate about that. Um, excited for college sports to come back soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I remember getting plugged into to a church community there at Greenhouse that was just amazing in lots of ways. But one of the things that I think really cemented it for me, Gabriel, honestly, um, because I did not always have the best experiences. Uh, my parents were part of something that was really being built from scratch when it comes to Messianic Judaism. And so it was a little messy. Um, and and I didn't, I did not um, find my place in any sort of a clean, easy plug and play or fit way. It, it, it mm. was a pretty challenging and painful journey. And ironically enough, it was when I got connected at the church in Gainesville, at Greenhouse in Gainesville, who had a great, um, they had a passion for diversity. They had a real, a genuine, deep level valuing of people's ethnicity and cultural backgrounds and cult, you know. And so it, I, rem- I still remember the first conversation. They were like, "Oh, so what's your story?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, da da." And, and somehow it came out that I was from a Jewish background. And I was like, "Oh God, here's like the awkward <laughs> conversations and the weird, sure. like having to explain myself." And they were like, "Oh, like Jesus, like the disciple. That's awesome. That's so cool." I'm like, 
it is what it is cool. <laughs> and, and that was kind of it honestly yeah. that was kind of it I'm like yeah okay. this is and so that was um that was my freshman year um you know like my senior year of high school really having that encounter personally with Jesus and then my freshman year of college having that connection with you know with the church and and seeing all that stuff and that kind of sparked a um a real passion in my heart, sort of like Paul, you know, mm-hmm. um, going back to, you, you see Paul's heart echoed all throughout. You see it, especially in Romans and Corinthians where he's like, man, I've, mm-hmm. I've got a heart for my countryman. I've got a, I've got a heart yeah. for my people. I've got a heart for the Jewish people to, to come to know Jesus as, as Lord and, and Messiah and Mashiach and rabbi. And so, um, so yeah, that's kind of where I maybe would fit into that biblical narrative. You're like, I don't understand. It's like, well, you know, Paul, like, Oh yeah, he was kind of like that too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah you can relate to him at, at some level. I mean, nowhere near on any level of like I haven't penned, you know, like two thirds of the New Testament. <laughs> sure. Culturally, at least. Yeah, and, and as we've both been alluding to, there's a lot of lot of messiness that that comes with some of that history. Uh, but before we get into some of that, I want to sort of set the stage and the context a little bit um, and talk a little bit about sort of some of the differences between uh, Christianity and Judaism and sure. specifically talk about, you know, what are some of the main objections that uh, traditional Jews who reject Christianity, reject Messianic Judaism, what are some of the mm-hmm. objections that they bring to the table? Yeah, so there's there's a lot um, for those that are that are listening or watching, and and you're not um, very well versed in in Judaism or the Jewish religion or culture. Um, if you ask the question, okay, so what do Jewish people think about? It's like, well, man, how much time do you got? It's <laughs> <laughs> like asking. Totally. So, so what do African Americans or what do you know what do Caribbean Americans think about? It's like I, 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 all sorts of different things, right? And so there's no one there's no one Jewish line of thinking. Um, but there are sort of distinct branches of Judaism, at least as a religion. And so mm-hmm. you've got Orthodox Judaism, um, you've got conservative Judaism, you've got reform Judaism. Those would be kind of the three major ones. Um, and, and they all kind of feel different ways about different things. Um, and uh, in a lot of reform Judaism, you would have some that are like, well, we're not quite sure if, if, there, if there's actually a God, you know, they, they might, they may or may not be theists and they, it might be more agnostic in expression or, or things of that nature. But by and large, it, it, in the current moment, um, most, let's say Jewish people from the Orthodox stream would say that um, Christianity has adopted and co-opted pagan practices into, uh, into what was like a Jewish root or framework. And so, uh, and so it's like a blasphemous in some ways against God um, when you start talking about the Trinity, right? And, uh, mm. you know, you're worshiping three gods, you're not worshiping one God and, and the Shema says to worship one God, which we can get into all that. I think that's a, 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 a misunderstanding of, of this concept of the Trinity sure. and B the concept of the Trinity is, is actually founded in Jewish thinking way before it was ever anything Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but modern day, it, it actually all goes back to something. You can stop me whenever I'm like, well, you're way awesome, way other <laughs> stuff. And like, let's bring this back in. But there's an interesting, fascinating historical reason for the deviation that happened. So right now you and I are talking, Gabriel, Anyone we'd talk to would be like, oh, yeah, here's my friend John. He's a Jewish pastor at a Christian church. People would be like, no, 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 no. That's, <laughs> that's not a, what, no, right? It sounds crazy because we all know Judaism is here. Christianity is here. They're, they're like, and, and there's miles apart, right? They're, and we, we would all probably, probably realize like, yeah, I guess they had like their cousins maybe in some ways, but like this. Mm-hmm. 
So back, um, and this is Jewish historical records, so this isn't from the Bible, but guys like Josephus, Jewish historians, tell us that by the time the temple was destroyed in AD 7, AD 70, um, there was around 100,000 Jewish people, like myself, who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, this was not unique. There was actually lots of sects and branches of Jewish thinking um, and lots of different people that claimed to be the Messiah. And so the, the followers of Jesus, they ended up being called the followers of the way, um, were simply one of many, and they would have been adopted as part of the Jewish community. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, those guys follow that guy's rabbi. Those guys follow that guy. And oh, yeah, this group, they, they follow this Yeshua, this Jesus that they believe is the Messiah. So it's totally compatible and in line with Jewish thought and thinking. Um, right. Now, right around the time um, that the Romans were finally like, all right, we're, we're nixing this thing. Um, they call it, I think they call it the, the second Jewish revolt, which is when they find it. I mean, it was a, a really bloody, horrible massacre of the Jewish people. There was a group called the Zealots. And so you, you see them in the New Testament, actually. Simon was a zealot. Um, mm -hmm. Simon Peter was a zealot. And, um, and so they believed that they were going to overcome Roman oppression um, by force. And so uh, the Zealots started sort of mobilizing people. And they said, hey, listen, we're going to kick the Romans out. And we're going to do this thing. And, uh, and so at that point, the, the followers of Jesus, the followers of the way, were actually on board to say, hey, we'll, we'll help, we'll support. You know, maybe we won't all, because there wasn't a clean line of like what exactly is, is fighting and pacifism and Peter chopped off the ear and Jesus was like, no, that's not the way. And so they're like, you know, maybe we won't pick up swords, but like, you know, we'll help with supplies or we'll help, you know, whatever. Like we're, <laughs> we're, we're all together in this. You're our countrymen. And so by and large, the followers of Jesus were just a part of the Jewish community. And uh, what happened is right around the time that they were going to have this big battle, um, the, the, the zealots and, and the surrounding, you know, for a mobilizing reality, they went ahead and had this guy, Yohanan ben Zakiah, who was just a, a sort of a, a leader within the community. And they declared him as Messiah to try to galvanize support. They're like, listen, we need everybody in on this thing. This guy's the Messiah. And, and they, would, they would think, okay, this will help us recruit better ranks to fight, you know, and kick out the Romans, at which point the followers of Jesus were like, guys, we can't, we can't be a part of this anymore. Like, you yeah. know, like we're, we were family, like a lot of, you know, they were, they were relatives, family and neighbors. And they're like, we're, we're, we're in, we're countrymen, we're, we're brothers. We can't follow another Messiah. We, mm -hmm. we have our Messiah. And so um, at that point they pulled out, they pulled out their support. They pulled, they're like, we can't, we were tracking with you until you made the Messiah thing. Now we can't do it. So they pulled out their support. The, the battle was a massacre. The, the, the Jewish people, the revolt was squashed heavily. Yeah. The temple was destroyed. And ever since then, I mean, this goes all the way, I'm, I'm talking way back. Ever since then, there's been this thought that, oh, the, those are the traitors. Those mm -hmm. followers of Jesus, those were the traitors. In fact, they what ended us. up happening, they left us. They left us high and dry, which was not, if you understand the, the genesis of it, the, the, the thing that further compounded that divide is that, and, and if you're a follower of Jesus, or you've read the New Testament, you remember that Jesus, when he was speaking to the disciples, gave them some heads up on stuff. He said, hey, when, when you see this happening and when you see these things happening, flee to the hills. He told them, flee to the hills. So when they started seeing the temple being destroyed, all the followers of Jesus were like, ding, wait a second. He said, and so they all took off. Uh -huh. And so they were like one of the few Jewish sects that had almost no casualties, which further made this like, 
you were in on it. You were in with them. You were mm-hmm. like all of this stuff. Yeah, you were colluding with the Romans. You were colluding, all of that. So it's it's wild, but a lot of the drift and the divide up until AD 70, for yeah, a good 40 years, the followers of the way, the followers of Jesus, they were just part of, they were just one other sect of, you know, mm-hmm. part of this, these Jewish people who believe different things about the Messiah and whatever. That really cemented a painful rift. And, sure. and that's kind of where the etymology of a lot of that began, mm-hmm. which is gotcha. interesting. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. And I, I didn't necessarily know all of that history. And I, I think it contextualizes a little bit of where some of that comes from. And unfortunately, that's not the end of the fighting. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, that that's is, just the beginning. <laughs> that is um, the mildest, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I want to sort of dig into that a little bit in terms of, I think, especially, you know, for me as a, a, a Gentile, from a Gentile's perspective, not being Jewish, I think we can be a little bit detached from the history, uh, both that we share and that we don't share. Uh, obviously that, you know, I, I didn't know that story. But, you know, throughout history, there has been just ongoing anti-Semitism. And so I'm curious, uh, when you bring up that story, you know, what is in some of that hurt that Jews feel because of the way that Christians have acted throughout history? Or, uh, and in this case, you know, it wasn't necessarily uh, malicious. They were... um, you know, in this case, they were uh, believing they're following the teachings of Jesus. But in other cases, uh, say, for example, uh, I, I was looking at, again, the book that you you read uh, or you recommended to me, uh, Martin Luther had some very anti-Semitic beliefs about Jews. So can you talk a little bit about, and like you, like you mentioned, uh, you can't speak for all Jews, that there are many different uh, experiences that are, are diverse. Uh, but can you talk a little bit about, you know, where are some of the historical hurts that perhaps modern day Jews still feel? Um, you know, what are some of those things that still impact Jewish Christian relationships today? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great question. And and I agree. I, I think um, most of us aren't familiar with it. Most Jewish people are, are palpably and viscerally familiar with it. So I'll give you one true story in my own family um, that unfortunately is representative and most Jewish families have a story like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so my father's uncle, um, so this is going back to Poland pre-Holocaust. My father's uncle um, was uh, in Poland and he was walking down the street. It happened to be on Easter Sunday. Um, and there was a bunch of Christians. Now I'll use these air quotes very loosely, but for all mm-hmm. his family knew they were Christians. They, yeah. they came out of their church service on Easter Sunday they saw my they saw my father's uncle walking down the street, um, and they started screaming. Christ, they knew he was Jewish. They knew him from the community. It's a relatively small community. Mm-hmm. They started screaming, "Christ killer! Christ killer!" Chased him down and beat him to death in cold blood in oh, the streets. That's awful. Now I don't know what kind of sermon was preached in that church, and you and I would both say, obviously, that's crazy. That that's mm-hmm. nowhere close to the way of Jesus, the teachings yeah. of Jesus, the people of Jesus. I mean, the Jewish people were the people of Jesus. Like it, it's crazy, <laughs> right? But but this this sort of coflated the Jews killed Jesus. It's like no, God so loved the world that He sent His Son. But it's you know, and mm-hmm. um, and so that story, that painful, horrible, hellish story, is passed on in my family. 
as something. Mm-hmm. And, and so when they think of Christians, that's what they think of. Mm-hmm. So much so. And, and that unfortunately is not an anomaly in my family. Lots of Jewish families have that. You compound that on top of the fact, um, whether it's uh, the Crusades and sort of the convert or die forcible conversions, the Spanish yeah. Inquisition, which was basically, hey, if you're a Jew, you're ostracized, outlawed. If we find that you're practicing Jewish practices, you either get baptized by force or we kill you and kill your family. Like th- these are historical things. Hitler, everything that Hitler did was in the name of Christianity. Mm-hmm. So for Jewish people, they're like, uh, all we've known from Christians is they hate us. Mm-hmm. They want to murder us. And it's like, hey, you either join our team or you're dead. Mm-hmm. So, so much so that, you know, in, in lots of Jewish families, um, and this has changed a little bit as uh, when we start talking about various generations, you know, it's, it's very common now sure. for Jewish millennials and, um, and I'm sure we'll continue to trend for Gen Z and beyond to be in some sort of an interfaith relationship, interfaith marriage, have, have mm-hmm. strong. So it's less um, maybe raw in the younger generations, but like for, for example, for, you know, for my grandparents um, and, and sort of even my father's demographic. Um, when, when he came to faith and in lots of Jewish families, I mean, they'll hold full out funeral services, like mm. you're dead to us. I mean, literally his family was like, you, you, you could have picked anything, like become, become a Hindu, become a Buddhist, become like an sure. atheist, but, but yeah. you're going to, you're going to become one of them, the Christians who, who kill us, who, who, and so there's this deeply painful divide. And for me, that's, that's one of my passion points. When it comes to, you know, being in this space where I'm pastoring a, a Christian church, you know, we have sort of a uniquely Jewish expression in a lot of ways, but um, is to is to take it back to when you read the teachings of Paul in the New Testament, Paul's like, man, what's up with salvation coming to the nations, the Goyim, the Gentiles, you know, mm-hmm. it's to provoke the Jews to jealousy. I'm like, man, you talk about falling woefully <laughs> short. If, uh-huh. if the call of followers of Jesus is to provoke the Jews to jealousy, I mean, we, yeah. forget provoking them to jealousy. We've pushed them away. Yeah, we pushed them it's away. The opposite. From, from the, it's the opposite, man. I think it. Uh-huh. I think it just breaks the heart of God, and, and I think for most people, it it, it breaks our heart as well. Totally. It's like, yeah. Yeah. That's that's horrible, you know. So, so for me, there that I think is helpful because I'll talk to to people that are not from Jewish backgrounds that really they love Jesus or they love their Jewish friend or relative or neighbor and they're talking to them and and most people have this sense that that Jewish people by and large are going to be like bible experts and and most of my people most most Jewish people have actually never read the scriptures for themselves in fact most of modern Judaism is based on the teachings of the rabbis not mm-hmm. on the teachings of the the scriptures so most Jewish sure. people haven't actually ever read the scriptures for themselves and um but they'll ask questions like yeah i mean this was this was a Jewish thing first i'm like yeah they're like so why don't they get it i'm like that's a great question it's painful and, it, and it's messy. It's it's mm-hmm. not a simple mm-hmm. answer, right? And there's theological reasons. Um, there there's all sorts of like violence and persecution and anti-Semitism reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think there's some reasons when it when you can go back to what I'd call maybe a spiritual pride, a sort of a God's done with the Jewish people. You guys had your chance and it's over and done. Which I'm like, have you read Paul? Like <laughs> he literally says, "Have God forsaken His covenant people? Of course not." It's like okay, I don't, I don't know how you got there, but all right. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it's important to realize because I think it helps you approach just with a degree of, of empathy, mm-hmm. of humility totally. and, um, yeah. and realizing that for most Jewish people, they're going to, because of history, they're not making it up because mm-hmm. of history, what they're going to hear anytime they hear about Jesus or Christianity is you're not going to change me. 
you're not going to change my religion, which I, which ironically, like, I, I don't think that's even what Jesus was trying to do, yeah, but that's yeah. what humans have done. think it puts into context just sort of what uh where that hostility comes from and where that sort of knee-jerk reaction comes from and you know for me i i've i've known people who identify as messianic jews and so that's not a new concept for me but i didn't realize how new of a concept it actually is Um, and i think given that history it, it makes sense that you know why would you go play for the other team when all this stuff has happened. And so can you walk me through a little bit of, so so what is a Messianic Jew? And, and what sort of does that entail? Because, I mean, to come all the way back around to square one uh, must have been challenging and difficult. Like, yeah to, yeah, to basically start off, we're brothers to we're enemies, back to we're brothers again. Yeah. Can you walk me through that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. And it's a great question. It, um, like the question before, what do Jewish people think about it? It's, it's not, a, it's not, I can't give you an answer for all Messianic Jewish totally. people or whatever. Um, and there's Messianic Jews and then there would be Messianic Judaism, which is, is a little bit more of a construct. Okay. Um, so I would, here's my operating definition. I'll at least give you my opinion. Um, in my opinion, a Messianic Jew is simply someone from a Jewish background who has accepted Jesus, the King of the Jews, on the throne of their heart as Messiah as mm. savior, as Lord, if you want to use traditional, you know, sort of Bible language, Christian yeah. language, that's a Messianic Jew. So however they choose to practice, um, however they choose to identify, um, you know, they're, they're from a Jewish background and they're trusting in Jesus as Messiah. So they are a Messianic Jew. Uh-huh. So that, that would gotcha. be the simplest way, you know, and now, now how they choose to worship or identify that that's all across the board. And so you'll have, you'll have people like me from Jewish backgrounds, um, who are worshiping in churches, you know, non-denominational churches or denominational churches or whatever. Um, you have people like me who are worshiping in messianic synagogues, which retains more of a, it's almost, it's like a mixture of like uh, the Jesus movement, seventies church with like okay. <laughs> a bunch of like Jewish stuff that they remember growing up from Hebrew school mixed with like some Christian, like it's a, it's an interesting, so hybrid interesting. Sort of mix. very, very unique. It's, it's, it's kind huh. of its own thing. Right. And it's, it's cool. It's unique. It's different. It's got its own vibe and flavor, which is great. Um, and then I, I think the one, honestly, that probably breaks that breaks my heart the most, and, and maybe for anyone listening or watching, and you're like, man, I, you know, this is this is interesting to me, or I really have a heart for this. You know, I, I'd encourage you to lean in here. Um, probably what breaks my heart the most is when I talk to um, friends, or I get I get people referred to me all the time who are trying to figure out the space. They're like. So sure. I said someone to you, they're like, so we're, we're kind of Jewish, but kind of Christian, like I'm the Jewish Christian ish guy. Like that, that's my <laughs> yeah, world. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they'll say, you know, I, I've really been, um, I've really been wrestling with, with the teachings of Jesus. And I'm like, well, what are you wrestling with? They're like, well, I love them. I'm like, oh, okay. They're like, but like, I, I, I think Jesus is like amazing. Like I, I, I would like to follow the way of Jesus. I'm like, okay. They're like, but, but if I do that, John, what does that make me? And the question is, if you can dig into the emotions there, it's really a tragic question. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, any other ethnic background, people would not actually be asking that question 
Mm-hmm. And the question isn't actually even honest to the Jewish, the, the traditional Jewish framework in modern day. So in modern day, there's a, a, a sort of a really popular Jewish book called To Be a Jew. It's it's not a it's not a messianic book. It's a, a secular or, or sort of religious Jewish book. But the mm-hmm. idea is essentially, hey, your, your Jewish ethnic identity is sort of separate from your religious identity. And so it's why you can have, you know, Jewish people that are practicing Hinduism or Jewish people that are practicing Buddhism or Jewish mm-hmm. people that are atheists or agnostics. But but the only option that has been eliminated unfairly, I would add, for Jewish people in our modern day is you can believe all these sort of different teachers and things if you're Jewish. But if you if you believe Jesus, you're not Jewish anymore. I'm like, how dare you cancel people like that? Like, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. who gave you the right to do that? It, it's, it's cognitively um, incompatible, but it makes sense when you understand the painful history. And so yeah, that yeah. so my answer to that, that this is a real conversation I had with, with this girl. My answer to this girl, if I like the way of Jesus. I like the teachings of Jesus. If mm-hmm, I go all the way mm-hmm. with Jesus, what does that make me? My answer was a Jew. Makes you a Jew. Like you don't, you don't have some tragic identity crisis of your culture. I would actually argue it makes you more Jewish than ever before. Cause now you've got Mm -hmm. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, the King of the Jews on the throne of your heart. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my dad's story that ended up being very interesting with his family. I mentioned that he had, I mean, falling out is the mildest term when it comes to his family, just basically like, Hey, you're dead to us. This is done. Um, but my dad, you know, grew up uh, with a Jewish background, but not, it wasn't very, it wasn't personally meaningful to him. You know, Shabbat was like, okay, if I have to, and the feasts were like, oh my goodness, it's so boring. When can we eat? You know, and, and then he started following Jesus and he starts seeing all the connections between his rabbi, his teacher, his savior, Jesus. And like, wait a second, what's Passover all about? Well, if you dig into Passover, you're like, Passover is all about Jesus and the Messiah. And, and what's Yom Kippur all about? The day of atonement when the priest would go in once a year and offer sacrifice. And what, what's all about Jesus? And so he ended up getting, because of his relationship with Jesus as, as Lord, as rabbi, as teacher, he ended up getting more engaged in his Jewish ethnic identity mm, than ever yeah. before. And so to the point that his mom was like, okay, I just got it. She came, eventually <laughs> she came around. She's like, I just, I, all of my friends, all of my neighbors were like, I mean, they like mourned with me, like someone died. This was the worst thing that could have ever happened that my son, you know, started following this Jesus. She's like, but you're more Jewish now than you ever were before. (laughs) So what do I do with this? And so he was able to share, you know, with her about Jesus. And she actually, at the end of her life, ended up becoming a follower of Jesus as well, which is really beautiful and and cool. So, um, so yeah, I think that's, I think sort of understanding all of that is. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's great and I, I thank you for sharing that and uh again sort of speaking from you know my perspective as a gentile uh, i think oftentimes it's hard to connect to some of that history i think um you know when i look at america it's so heavily influenced by evangelicalism uh and you know i think that uh it can sort of just feel like that's just the norm it's sort of the the fish and water effect and so I think when you say something like, oh, Jesus is Jewish, or, uh, you know, the scriptures are, are written by Jewish authors and his disciples are Jewish, it can sort of feel like, a, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I know that cognitively, but it doesn't make me feel anything. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what would you say is, you know, is it even important to acknowledge Jesus's ethnicity or his nationality? You know, what does that add to uh, our understanding of what Christianity is. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a great question, Gabriel, because I think that's I think that actually goes to so for anyone who's listening, um, you know, I know I know we have people listening from all different sort of faith backgrounds or no faith backgrounds, and we're just thrilled you're joining us. Um, I, I think for me that go if you're a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, I actually think that goes to the foundational core of our calling. Um, mm. You know, going back to Paul's words where he says, "Hey, listen, salvation has come. God's heart was always for the nations. You see it in Abraham. He says to Abraham, hey, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed.' What's he pointing to?" Jesus, the Messiah, and God's redemptive plan for all of humanity. But Paul says, hey, uniquely, um, salvation has come to the nations to, like I mentioned before, to provoke the Jewish people to jealousy. And so that was actually how my father came to faith. I mentioned that, Mm -hmm. you know, that this this couple, he he was a professor, the colleague invited him for dinner. And what he ended up telling my dad was this, this is what he said. And it started my dad's faith journey when it came to to the Bible and ultimately Jesus. he said, you know, my wife and I are Christians. This was his colleague who invited them for dinner. He said, my wife and I are Christians, and, and we just love the Bible. We, we love the scriptures. He said, and Neil, that was my, my father's name, and uh, he said, Neil, your people, the Jewish people, suffered to preserve this book and, and gift it to all of humanity. And, and we know there's, there's nothing we can do to repay, but we just, we're so grateful for the Jewish people. We're so grateful for your heritage. We're so grateful mm-hmm. for the Bible. We just wanted to do something to say thank you. Very unique, right? I was like, dad, yeah. what do you think? He's like, I thought it was a little weird at first. I'm like, uh, you're welcome. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I didn't do anything with that. He said, yeah. he, this is what he said. He said, you know, but it got me thinking like, man, they're right. This is our book. Like mm-hmm. this is the lineage of our people. Like it, it was a very honoring thing that they did. Yeah. It was a very, you know, the, the scriptures, New Testament uses the word um, salt, like to be salt and light. It was very salty. It was very like, ooh, mm-hmm. added some flavor in there. That was unique. Yeah. That was, that was honoring. That was, that was validating. And, and so it prompted my dad to say, you know what? He's right. That is our book. And that mm-hmm. is our thing. And, and I've never read it. I need to read it. And so that's when he jumped from, he decided he'd start in the New Testament, kind of stick it to the man. And, and that's <laughs> when that journey began. And so I think what it, what it should do, this is where Paul goes, by the way, this is like Romans 10, 11, 12, or 10, 11, 12, yeah, a little bit of 12. He, he's, he talks about boasting against, he uses this analogy of the olive tree, if you remember it from the scripture. Mm-hmm. He uses yeah, this grafting metaphor, in. Said, grafting in. He says, listen, don't, and, and a lot of what I think if we're not careful, the, the, the core, it's like our, our core disease as humans is pride. Like we, we just can't help ourselves. And so if we're not careful, that'll manifest in our religious expression as well. And so he says, listen, if, if you natural, you know, if, if the natural branches were broken off, speaking of Jewish people who, while a lot of whom accepted Jesus as Lord immediately and within the first 40 years, a lot of them didn't. Mm-hmm. He said, if the natural branches were broken off and, and these wild branches, speaking of non-Jewish people or, 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 or the nations were, were grafted in, don't boast against the branches. Because if he took off the natural branches, how much easier can he just <laughs> take you? You know, yeah. so he's, he's using this tongue in cheek, like, what are you doing? Don't sure. be tongue. Yeah. Don't be prideful. <laughs> Don't be arrogant. And it's sort of expressing, man, this is God's heart. At the end of the day, we see it. It's, you get to the book of Revelations. It's, it's every tribe. It's every tongue. It's every nation. It's every language. And so I think for those of us from, from Jewish backgrounds, if you're watching, man, I would, I would just challenge you, check out the words of Jesus for yourself. I know your friend or, or, or your mom or your rabbi or your grandma was like, don't do it. It's like, at this point, it's like Jesus is arguably one of the most influential figures in all of history. At least mm-hmm. give his words a shot for yourself personally. And, mm-hmm. and, and if you're not from a Jewish background, um, I would say, number one, please blow up forever the conception that if someone is Jewish and they're going to follow Jesus, they're not Jewish anymore. Now, mm-hmm. now they're a Christian. 
because that's that, that's not biblical and that's not true and we don't do that with any other cultural group or ethnicity it's just not uh-huh. honest yeah. um but number two I, I think like when we look at the book of revelation we see god's heart for the nations and and then when we look even at the book of acts the first followers of jesus so this is why for me it's not it's not incompatible in the least for me to be a pastor at a christian church you know and still passionately retain my ethnic identity because that's what I see in the scripture. You look in the New Testament, Paul says in Romans 1, verse 16, he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation for all who believe. You remember what he says? To the Jew first, first. and yeah. also to the nations. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think the irony of our modern expression of the way of Jesus is we actually forget the, the first followers of Jesus, they went to the Jew first in an honoring and validating way. Mm-hmm. In our current mm-hmm. moment, we don't go to the Jew ever yeah ever. And, and so I think, yeah it's like oh well they're not and then you're having a conversation with a jewish friend and they're like oh no, no i'm jewish and that like ends the conversation i'm like great so am i so is jesus <laughs> we can talk about this it's okay it really uh-huh, is uh-huh. And, and so there's this there's this pressure to like i don't want to turn my back on i'm like you're not turning your back on anything like if anything mm-hmm. you're going all the way with the faith of your forefathers and mm-hmm. and and that's kind of how I see it. So, so yeah, I think that would be my hope for, for people understanding. So it's not just some platitude of like, yeah, yeah, no, Jesus was Jewish. The disciples were Jewish, but understanding what that should do is, is give us this. Yeah. Sort of a, a soft, like a soft spot in our heart for Jewish people. Totally. Like, yeah. You know, when you look at, when you look at all of the disproportionate amount of um, anti-Semitism or genocide, like all of the mm-hmm. genocide attempts on a people group, it's like, goodness gracious. I don't know if there's been, there's not a group on the planet that has been tried to be wiped, systematically wiped out as many times as the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Everything from, mm-hmm. from Haman to Hitler. I mean, you just all across the <laughs> totally. board. Yeah. And, um, and it's because God's, God's heart is for his people. And, and I think he wants us to have his heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'd like to hear a little bit more about that soft spot because you, you mentioned that this is a sort of a part of your own personal mission, your own personal sort of heart uh, as a pastor. And so first, you know, I, I'd like to hear a little bit about sort of how does that play out? You, you mentioned a little bit of, of being sort of a, an open invitation for some of those people who are questioning. Yeah. Um, and I think another aspect of that is perhaps one of the hurdles to get over is that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, Mm -hmm. And so how do you sort of walk people through that hurdle when they, when they come there? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, Yeah, I think it's, it's one of the hurdles for humans, right? It's not just Jewish humans. It's any human, Mm right? In in an increasing age where, um, I mean, let's be honest, I would, I would love it if what Jesus said is, Hey man, there's, I am a way, a truth, and a life, and and there's but there's a bunch of other ones. You kind of pick your flavor, and it's all uh-huh, good. But, uh-huh. but that's not what Jesus said, you know. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life, mm-hmm. and no one comes to the Father but through him. And and to be honest, that, that that's a hard pill to swallow, especially for us in sort of a postmodern, post enlightenment age. Or like, yeah. oh my gosh, you tell me there's one path, and it's like. I mean, that's what Jesus said. Now, now you could choose to not follow Jesus, obviously, and, and say he's a, sort of he was off his rocker or he was lying or making it up. Um, but that is what he said, you know. So I think for anyone, that's a, a challenge point. Um, I think what's uniquely challenging for Jewish people is the feeling that they're in some ways having to, like, stop being Jewish or, or change their mm-hmm. cultural identification. Um, they have to which sacrifice I think it. it. 
yeah, yeah. Like you have to be, and to be fair, I mean, you are, you are shifting your primary allegiance, you know? So just like sure. someone, mm-hmm. you know, if someone, one of the things that we love at Greenhouse is we, we love, love, love God's family of diverse cultures, like just love. And because every culture has a unique beauty that represents God's kingdom in a certain way. Right. And, and mm-hmm. so, um, but the reality is in the same way that every culture has elements of God's kingdom culture in it, every culture also has elements that have to bow to kingdom culture. And, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing with Jewish culture. There's certain things within Jewish culture. that's like, yeah, actually Jesus is Lord now. So there's some elements that you're like, ah, that, you know, he, he, he's preeminent over all mm-hmm. those things. But um, yeah, I think for me, the, that's an important piece there. Um, and in, in terms of like my heart, one of the, one of the things that breaks my heart the most um, is for people to feel like they now have to, okay, now that, now that you're a Christian, and, and this is explicit pressure, unfortunately. This isn't just like a subtle, like, I don't know why I felt this way. This is explicitly told um, sometimes by Christians, um, mm-hmm. well-intentioned, or, or sometimes even by pastors, well-intentioned. Like, mm-hmm. hey, hey, n- now that you're a Christian, stop doing all that Jewish stuff. I'm like, I will slap you in Jesus' name and then give you a hug afterwards and tell you I'm sorry. Like, where in the world do you come? Do you get that? Like that, mm-hmm. that goes all the way back to that. Like that's, that's the dark side of, of Christian church history type stuff. And that's that's Spanish. Paul and Peter, right? Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know? So, so that for me is like, Hey, listen, you know, who instituted the Jewish holidays, by the way, they're not called Jewish holidays. They're called the feast of the Lord, at least according to God, I'm going to go with his language. <laughs> you know who instituted those? God. You know what God said? Everybody, my dad used to say, the feast of the Lord is God throwing a party and everybody's invited. Mm. I'm like, if there's anything you don't want someone to do, I would argue, I think every non-Jewish Christian would benefit from celebrating the feast of the Lord. Do you have to? No, you don't have to, but you get to. And it's amazing. You'll see Jesus all throughout it and be like, oh, snap. it was God's curriculum, God's ultimate multi-sensory curriculum to be reminded of his faithfulness, his goodness, his mercy, his love, and the beauty of the gospel. So that to me is the thing. And one of the reasons why um, I love being in the space that I'm in, um, A, I, I, I joked about it, but I love the referrals. I like, I'm the token Jewish pastor <laughs> in South Florida. Yeah. So people are like, hey, I've got a Jewish neighbor. I've got a Jewish friend. What do I do? I'm like, oh, thank God. Let me talk Send to you about me. <laughs> and just like, let me talk to you about all the things not to do. Like, please don't do that. Because totally. most of us, we're not, we're not ill will or evil intention. We just mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. We just don't know. We don't understand the water under the bridge. We don't understand the painful history. We don't understand these things. And I'm not an expert, but I'm definitely a practitioner, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one, one passion point for me. And then just helping Jewish people realize, hey, you should start, like, you can celebrate the feast. You can celebrate Shabbat. Jesus is the Lord of the Shabbat, by the way. That's what he said, you know? Mm-hmm. So realizing that... Um, that you that there it's not just that these two paths are incompatible they they're actually inextricably linked mm-hmm. and um and when you get to the very end so for example if you dive in you look at the book of revelation you know it's like the marriage supper of the lamb christians are like i, I don't know that i guess got that at a dinner <laughs> party i'm like oh i'll tell you what the marriage supper of the lamb is it's a passover seder that's what it is Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The mar- the lamb is Pesach. Pesach is Passover. That's what it means in Hebrew. So it, it, it's all up in there. And for anyone that's not from a Jewish background, but they follow Jesus, you know, it's like, did God accidentally send Jesus as a rabbi to be in that cultural context in the first century? 
No, he's he's a pretty good planner. He's God, right? He's God. <laughs> so there's there's such a, a richness there to be gleaned from that when when you can dig into a little bit of that cultural context. And and I think we're we're all better off for that. And the more we can build those bridges, um, let, let's take it beyond even a faith thing. The more we can just build bridges of understanding and, and totally. promote connection and promote like, hey, I, I understood a little bit more about your Jewish background. Man, that's so cool. Wow. Yeah, it is cool, right? <laughs> Thank you. And, and man, mm-hmm, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I read a little bit of the words of Jesus. Wow, you did? You read the words of Jesus? Yeah, I mean, some of that stuff is great. Yeah, it, it is great. Thank you. You know, like totally. the more we can build those bridges, the more we can we can begin to walk in our ultimate calling as as humans as you know jesus said it like this blessed are the peacemakers blessed are the bridge builders and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and that's that's how i want to walk that's how i want to live and i know that for a lot of us that's that's how we want to live as well Speaking of bridges, you know, we've talked, uh, and, and I love this conversation that we're having today because I, I feel like I'm learning so much. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we've talked a little bit about some of the bridges going into uh, the Jewish community in terms of, you know, what people who want to be Christ filers, what, what they can sort of receive. But what about the other way, you know, as a pastor, and say, if you were talking to a Gentile pastor who's like, this is this sounds great. What can I bring into my sermons, or what can I bring into my church from the Jewish history? Uh, you know, what would you say in terms of you know what perhaps is missing from the curriculum of the perhaps traditional evangelical Christian church? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think there's a lot of richness there, and this is where if you go back to the words of Paul, he's like, "Hey, listen, the the root of this olive tree." it's a Jewish root. And so you're, you're just missing things. Like I, I, and I don't think they're necessarily salvific, but so, so let me give you a case in point. Um, Martin Luther, you, you referenced him. Martin Luther hated the book of James. Mm-hmm. Wanted it thrown out of the New Testament. Back. He wanted yeah. to throw it out of the canon. He's like, this book is heresy. Get it out of here. You know, and, and a lot of people don't know that, but, but the genesis of that was because of some of his unfortunate anti-Semitism, he was blinded to understanding a framework, a Jewish framework that actually makes the book of James not just not heretical, but deeply profound and vital in the canon. Mm -hmm. Um, So James is writing, he's he's writing, it says, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. He's writing to the Jewish people that have now been scattered in the diaspora due to persecution and and sort of globalization. And so um, within the Jewish tradition, which is Jesus was a Jewish teacher, the the writers of, of most of the New Testament, if not all, were from Jewish backgrounds, that provide this certain framework for things. So for example, some of the things Martin Luther really didn't like was when, um, was when James says things like, hey, listen, faith without works, man, it's dead. You, you show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. Martin Luther was like, no, that's not, Galatians says faith alone, faith alone. And yeah, here's what you're missing. Yeah. Within, there's two prevailing mindsets in the ancient world. There was the Greek mindset, which is largely focused on uh, who, like kind of what you believe in theory. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, okay, who your doctrine, who your kind of doctrine and, and theory. And so this is where Paul goes in the book of Acts and they've got all these statues and I think it was Athens and they've, they've got one to the, the unknown God. And mm-hmm. they love talking mm-hmm. about ideas. The Jewish mindset is fundamentally different though. So in the Jewish mindset, it's all about who are you related to? 
So it's, it's family relations, it's lineage. It's why you see all those gene- genealogies that probably bore you if you read the New Testament. You're like, oh my God, why? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's who you're related again. to. Yeah. It's who you're related to and what you do. Mm. What you do. So, so literally what James is saying is, hey, listen, Jewish followers of Jesus, I know you're now scattered in a largely Greco-Roman world that operates on the prevailing mentality that what you believe in theory is what matters. This is expressly applicable to Americans who say they believe all sorts of things that we don't actually do. Sure. So he said, hey, I know you're in this world where it's like, you, you, I believe this, I believe that. Don't forget our tribe. Don't forget the way of Jesus. Don't forget how we roll while you're out in the diaspora. You can say you believe whatever you want. Yeah. But I know exactly what you believe by what you do. Mm-hmm. He's not pointing to works to validate salvation. He's pointing to the fact that if it's real salvation, it will be validated and shown by works. Yeah. He's pointing to order. And so if you miss some of this, and that's just, that's a cultural understanding of understanding where the James, the half brother of Jesus, obviously from a Jewish background, where he would have been coming from to understand those things. There's all sorts of things that happen in the gospels that if you read it, you can get some of it like, oh yeah, that was cool, but kind of weird, but okay, cool. And then you, and then you read it and understand a little bit of the Jewish context and you're like, whoa, that was incredible. Jesus. And that's what it does for me as a follower of Jesus first. And, and from a Jewish background, second, what it does for me is it just sparks my love for Jesus because I get it a little bit more now. I yeah. understand. I'm like, oh, that's what he meant by da da da. Oh, and he was actually, <laughs> and that's why they tried. Oh, wow. Jesus is amazing. Man, he is so smart. He's so wise. He's so good. He's so loving. He's so merciful. So if you're a, G, if you're a pastor, if you're a Jesus guy or gal, and you can dig into some of that. It, it's really powerful. And there's there's a bunch of great books and resources that are out there. But yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I want to go a little bit theological nerdy with you in terms it, of... Uh, you nerd know, it I think, out. <laughs> <laughs> I think one uh, challenging passage that has multiple interpretations by different people is Romans 11 uh, mm. in terms of Paul saying God will save all of Israel. Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, from your perspective as somebody who is familiar with Jewish culture, you know, how do you read that um, scripture? And, you know, obviously it's in, within a context that, that we've sort of alluded to in terms mm-hmm. of Paul saying, you know, has God forgotten his people? By no means. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I'm curious sort of what your take on that is. Yeah, I'm pulling it up here just to make sure I'm looking at the uh, mm-hmm. proper context. Romans 11. All of Israel will be saved. Yeah, that is the mystery. Um, He gets in there into the idea. So I'll give you my take. I mean, there's much smarter people than you and I that have have landed on very different spots within that, right? So like, ooh, and we have now found the answer. I'll I'll give you my take. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Within Romans 11, he's talking about election. You know, so this Mm -hmm. gets a little bit into the idea of of predestination. What exactly does that mean? Calvinism and Arminianism and all these different theological things. At the end of the day, I think we need to be honest. We don't know. We don't, we don't fully know. Um, My take would be, I I don't, I would love for it to mean every single Jewish person is going to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And, and I would love for that to be the case. I I don't think that's the case because of the rest of scripture where it talks about, you know, broad is the way that leads to destruction and, and many go there, but narrow is the way Um, it, 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 
it's hard for me to conceptualize that in this narrow, it's like narrow is the way and few find it, but every single Jewish person finds it. I'm like, ah, that's never been our people's story. You know? <laughs> so I don't, I don't think, you know, we're described in the scriptures as a stiff necked people and God knows we, we live up to that one. So I'm like, I, you know, the Lord can do whatever. I, I hope I'm wrong on this. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm wrong. I think what he's pointing to is I think he's tying in the idea of election. And, and so I think he's actually piecing those two ideas together. So what I think he's talking about is, and all of the elect from Israel will be saved. Like mm. every single one that God has moved on their hearts, formed new, right? He uses all these big theological terms that we always argue back and forth. What exactly does it mean? But I think that's where he's going and what he's talking about ultimately. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't think it's pointing to a, a, a universal salvific experience for every single person from a Jewish background. Although maybe I'm wrong on this one and that would be amazing. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Well, thanks for entertaining that for a little bit. You know, I, yeah. I think it's uh, fun to sort of pick out some of these interesting and debated views. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk again about sort of the the modern world that we live in. And one thing that's unfortunate, but I think important to talk about is anti-Semitism. And one of the things that I've seen in some news reporting is that some of the resurgence and some of that was tied to some of the sentiments that were going around in in the previous administration. Um, But, you know, I think sometimes in our modern age, we can look at the Holocaust as sort of like, oh, that's where it ended or, or that was the last big thing. And I kind of wonder, you know, as a Gentile, as a non-Jewish person, has much changed since then? You know, obviously the Holocaust was abhorrent, but, you know, I, I draw sort of a parallel to like Black Lives Matter where people in that community saying, hey, it's been going on all this time. It's just that, you know, now we're seeing it on social media. Now we're able to speak up more. Is that similar within the Jewish community? Has that just always been there? Um, Or was there this lull and sudden resurgence? Yeah. Yeah. It's harder for me to speak on that in a knowledgeable way because I I live in South Florida, which is like third Jerusalem. So we have a very large, very (laughs) large Jewish population. And, um, and I think because of that, there's less of the humans tend to fear and demonize what we don't understand. Mm -hmm. And so because there's such a large Jewish community here, there's not as much lack of understanding. Most Mm -hmm. people have a Jewish friend, a Jewish neighbor. That's just like a normal person that they're friends with. And so they're like, this is ridiculous, you know? Um, But it, it, so I, it seems like, because I'm familiar with the data that you're referencing, it seems like there is a spike, um, especially in terms of like violent incidents, which is mm. which is really horrible. Um, I, I think there was just a spike in general in hate just mm. in our world. Um, sure. And so I, that does not surprise me. Um, I think what's happened, it's, it's not that, so hate is hate and, and we figure out ways to like manifest it against whoever, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's happened is a lot of the anti-Semitism has gotten repackaged. And so we don't recognize it as easily. So I'll give you one example. Um, Yad Vashem is a Holocaust museum in Israel. I've been there a few times. I've also been to the Holocaust museum in DC. And, um, and so you get, you get some of like the, you see like the literal Nazi propaganda and, and you get to read some of this stuff. Totally. And so I'd gone there uh, within a month or so of having a conversation with a friend who was, uh, it was a very honest dialogue. And this is where good relationships with people different from you are so helpful. God knows mm-hmm. what he's talking about. And so she was talking with me. She's like, hey, I just, 
She's like, I mean, well, you know, like growing up in my household, we always talked about how like Jewish people, you know, I mean, they kind of like, they're kind of running things behind the scenes. Like they're kind of controlling the media and they're kind of like, they've got this global money bank match conspiracy stuff. Blah, blah, blah. And, and, and maybe you've heard that before. It's like a, a thing, right? It's like a, it, and, and if you look at it at the first glance, it's like, well, it's just like a political ideology or an ideation or, you know, whatever. That actually had a genesis. You know where that started? The Nazi party. Oh. So I remembered huh. it because I was like, wait a second. Yeah. That's what, that, that was in the propaganda material that Hitler put out. Huh. That's, so we, so it's like, yeah. okay. Our, now, now, obviously the friend that I was talking to did not know that. And sure. so they, yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. just like, yeah, I just heard it. You know, I heard it growing up and they probably heard it from someone else. And blah, blah, blah. But it's mm -hmm. like, when you actually get back to it, it's like, so that was the Nazis. <laughs> probably not like where we want to be tracking yeah. with our ideation, right? Like, sure. Hey, gonna, let's, let's take that one and put that in. Not the a great source. <laughs> Never bring that out again. Like, we're done with that. So I think that's where, I, I, I think some of it is just flat out hate. I think some of it is just we humans have so many great attributes about us and, and God has created us so wonderfully. One of the things that we struggle with is what I'll call chronological snobbery. We're very, we very quickly forget history, which is why we keep repeating it. <laughs> totally. You know? And, um, and so I think that's what some, some of it is just flat out hatred, like it, intentional prejudice, bigotry, and hatred. I think a lot of it is a, is not a malevolent, but it's just a genuine um, ignorance. You know, like, yeah. so, I was, so I very delicately, they come totally. like, hey, totally, I've totally heard that before. Um, man, I'm, I'm not going to try to be a jerk. I went to the, and I told her the story. I was like, that's yeah. where, and she's like, really? I was like, yeah, she's like, oh God, I'm so sorry. I was like, it's okay, but yeah, don't yeah. ever, that's a lie. Don't <laughs> ever do know. that again. Yeah, now you know, you know, so, and I think if we could, I think if we, you know, Gabriel could, right, let's zoom out and, and stay here on a human level for a little bit. Mm -hmm. If if we could adopt, and for me, this is why the way of Jesus is, is so helpful, because mm -hmm. it's so true to humanity. You know, Jesus told this parable and he said, hey, listen, um, if you see that your brother's got like a like a speck in their eye, you know, um, you know, go ahead and, and deal with your you got a log in yours. So deal with your <laughs> log first yeah. and then you can deal with your brother's speck. The point mm -hmm. there is not that a speck doesn't matter. I, I, I got a speck of metal in my eye in high school. I didn't know it. I almost went blind. But like the eye doctor was like, you're a miracle. It was working out and it's crazy, mm -hmm. right? So specks are big deals in an eye. Like mm -hmm. that will blind you. So Jesus' point is not, oh, give him a break. It's just a speck. No, a speck will blind you. His point is when you realize you've got a log, you deal with someone's speck very differently. Mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. it's humility. And so I yeah. think when, when we encounter whether it's ignorance, like I always just assume, I'm sure they're not that hateful and evil of a person. Mm -hmm. They just don't know. Yeah. They just don't know. And um, and so sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm so glad I approached it like that because that was the case. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I'm like, ooh, they actually do know. They're just that hateful of a person. Okay, well, yeah, I'm a punk, I'm a punk sometimes too. So you know, uh -huh. and God gives God gives me better than I deserve. But I yeah. think that even that heart posture is like, how do you, this is where Martin Luther King Jr. in following the ways of Jesus himself is very helpful. You know, he's like, hate can't drive out hate. Mm, yeah. Only, only love can do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like, yeah, anti-Semitism is, is heartbreaking and wicked. It's, it's hellish, just like racism against black or brown people. Just like it's, 
and it's always interesting to me. I had one of my friends text me, she's from a Haitian background and they, a speaker was trying to get on our alma mater's campus who is basically a, a, a neo-Nazi radical right sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. And so their big thing is they're basically always rallying against black and brown people and Jews. Yeah. She's like, why do we always get lumped in there together? I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. You know, but so how do you combat that? The, the way of Jesus says you combat that firmly. You call it, you denounce it as it is. That's wicked. That's evil. That's wrong. That has nothing to do with God or the Bible or the scriptures. Um, but you, you, you don't, you're not overcome by evil. You overcome evil with good. And, yeah. um, but it's, it's heartbreaking, man. And there's a lot of that stuff. And when you trace back to people, we always think we're so innovative. Like we found this new information. Like <laughs> it's like you trace it back and you're like, oh, this isn't new. There's actually not that much that's new. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that perspective. I think it's really helpful. And as we're wrapping up for today, you know, I want to go back to that image that you shared in terms of bridge building, because yeah. I, I think that that's been something that's, you know, really come out today is is being able to bridge between small and big divides. Um, and so can you talk just a little bit more about, you know, what you've learned as, as being a bridge builder in your community uh, and particularly from this perspective? Yeah, I, I think one of the best things you can do is just learn from someone different from you. You know, so my wife and I facilitated um, interfaith Shabbat dinners for a good stretch of time. And we really started it because we had a bunch of couples coming to us that, you know, one of them was from a Jewish or Jewish background and one of them was from a Christian-ish background. And so like, Uh how do we even think about this? You know, and so, so that's my story. My wife is Puerto Rican. You know, she has a a love and a heart for all things Jewish, but she's not from a Jewish background. Mm Carrie's a very unique culture with her. It's a beautiful culture, Puerto Rican culture. And I'm from a Jewish background and now I've got the messianic thing in there. And so (laughs) we're like, we we get, we get the interesting, how do you figure this out and make this work? And so- that was kind of our world. And so we would have people, we would have people over for Shabbat dinner. And, and the focus was really on, on teaching and building bridges of understanding, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, we would go through the Torah portion together and I would say, Hey, listen, some of you, if you're from Jewish backgrounds and you remember something in this Torah portion from Hebrew school, man, bring that out. Like mm-hmm. we all want to yeah. learn. Like, we're, yeah. and if you're from a Christian background and we're reading something in the Torah portion, you're like, wait, that, that reminds me of Jesus. Bring that out. Because that's going to enrich. And if you're from, uh, if you're not from a religious background at all, and you're like, what the heck is any of this about? Ask that question. Like the uh-huh. the reality is, the the more we can lean into, we have a tendency to push off on the unknown and, and sort of demonize it, and and it's it's bad, it's wrong, it scares me. Uh, the more we can lean into a little bit of that discomfort of the unknown and learn, um, the the higher the chances that that unknown to you is actually really significant for someone else Mm -hmm. and if you now know a little bit about it and you're talking to someone you actually can communicate love and care by saying hey you know i I, it's one of my things with language any anyone i meet from a different country i try to learn one phrase in their language Mm -hmm. because if i ever meet someone from that country again i want to be able to say it why because what it makes them feel is like wow you how do you it happens all the time like (laughs) how do you know my language how do you know i'm like i just i love you know Guyanese people. I mean, uh, Guyana they speak English, but like, man, I, I, lo- I love <laughs> I, I love people from a from a you know from whatever background. It just it communicates when you learn something that's not necessarily from your stream, mm-hmm. but but you have a genuine interest and you're able to learn. I think it helps you to communicate love, care, and a validation. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. 
yeah, that'd be my encouragement. Sure. Sounds great. Well, thank you again so much for uh, sharing this time with me. Do you want to give a little bit of background on Greenhouse Church and where people can find you if they want to learn sure. some more? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, if you if you if you're not sick of me talking yet, you'd <laughs> like to hear more. Um, we our, our church is uh, Greenhouse Church. We're located in South Florida, um, Davie, Florida, to be exact, right around Fort Lauderdale. Um, and so we have services. We're actually meeting now on Saturday morning, so that's very uniquely Jewish ish mm-hmm, as of mm-hmm. itself in the midst of the pandemic. Um, with social distancing, and we also stream every single Sunday at 10.30 a.m. You can find all that stuff and all the info and get in touch with me on our website um, if you just Google Greenhouse Church South Florida or greenhousesfl.org. So, yeah, we'd love to connect with you. If you've got any follow-up thoughts or questions, feel free to hit me up, shoot me an email. My email's there on the website, and I'd love to chat. It's one of the big passions in the heart. So thank you for having me today. It's been great, man. Thank you for tuning in to the Hard Questions, No Answers podcast. Still have questions? Oh good, I was afraid we answered them all. For more information about HQ&A podcast, visit drgabelow.com. That's D-R-G-A-B-E-L-O-W-E dot com. Additional educational materials recommended by my guests can be found in the podcast tab. And for updates, news, and behind the scenes, follow HQ&A podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at HQ&A P-O-D. HQA Podcast is independently produced by Gabriel Lowe. Music is Cocktail Fun by Stock Music 331, found on Pond 5. And logo design is by Kenny Lowe. Stay tuned for new episodes released each Wednesday. And thank you for joining me on the journey of no answers.